Joshua Roy, Yuri Kulik, and a lot more prospects are tearing up the AHL right now. We'll talk about a program in the KHL that's working really well with young players. And then we'll end things off with Cole Hudson, Lane Hudson's brother, who's playing really well for the NTDP. All coming up on today's episode of Locked On NHL Prospects. You are Locked On NHL Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to Locked On NHL Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. On this podcast, we break down everything prospects related for you five days a week, Monday to Friday. I'm Hattie Kalakesh, joined by Sebastian High. And on today's episode, we've got a packed one. We're going to start uh, start things off with a bunch of prospects that are tearing it up in the AHL right now and playing really good through a couple games, uh, including Joshua Roy, who's leading the AHL in scoring as a 20-year-old. By three points, three whole points. Um, then we'll talk in our second segment about Torpedo Nizhny Novgorod, a program in the KHL, a team that is working really well so far. It's been playing really well. And what's surprising is how often they use young players, which is a major exception to the general rule of the KHL. Um, we'll talk about the prospects they have in their system as well. And then we'll end things off with an update on Cole Hudson. Uh, a 2024 NHL draft eligible who's uh, Lane Hudson's brother, another left-handed defenseman with a bunch of skill. Uh, we'll talk about kind of how he's been doing so far and what we've watched from him so far and where we'd rank him this year. All that's coming up in today's episode. But before we get into any of it, this, today's episode is brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNHL for $20 off your first purchase. And if you're watching on YouTube, make sure to like and subscribe. Leave us a comment letting us know what you want us to talk about next. And if you're listening on your favorite podcasting platform make sure to make us your first listen of the day it's always very much appreciated so let's get right into it with these ahl scores among prospects and rookies uh let's start things off with joshua Roy, who's just absolutely wrecking it right now um in the last two games he played he scored seven points he's up to 11 points on the game and not only that but all seven of his points in the last two games have been primary points either goals or primary assists wow i mean it feels like every step of the way, Joshua Hua gets t- counted out. Um, and every time he finds a way to bounce back and, and show people that he's he's the real deal and he's, he's talking business. Five goals, six assists for 11 points in five games. What have you liked from Joshua Hua so far? Uh, everything, I think. <laughs> I, I mean, no, no, he hasn't been perfect, perfect. But he's been yeah. unbelievably impressive so far. Mm-hmm. I mean... I. I, I think I've been a pretty big Joshua Hua fan since his D plus one season. Uh, like most people, I didn't quite see it in his draft year, but hey, yeah. the Habs did, and uh, they made a really good bet with that pick. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I, I've been a big fan of him ever since. I think my expectations from him have always been, have always been a bit more tempered. Uh, I've always kind of seen seen him as capping out as a third liner uh, with limited top six p- potential. And I'm still sticking by that for now, but I'm less confident in that stance than I I, I was previously because, uh, well, usually a QMJHL player does not uh, start off his AHL career with, uh, what, 12 points in five games? 11 uh, points, yeah. 11, 2.2 points a game, which beats his point a game record from the QMJHL last season, both in the regular season and in the playoffs. 
And he was yeah. really close both times to, to, to 2.2 points a game. But mm-hmm. yeah, uh, Joshua Wall has been fantastic. Uh, I think that his off-puck movement's been tremendous. He's really showcasing, showcasing his intelligence at the AHL level. And he's weaponizing it to create advantages in the offensive zone to a degree that I hadn't expected for him, uh, as a rookie at least. And uh, he's he's consistently attacking the middle. He's uh, taking that middle lane. He's he's getting through pressure. He's protecting the puck. He's waiting until the a lane is open to make a play. He's been patient and composed. Uh, he's been fine defensively, but but it's really been in the offensive zone where his creativity has been on display, which. Yeah. Is not something I expected at all from him in the AHL. I thought that he would start out and and take more of an approach like Owen Beck is this season in the OHL of kind of doubling down on that double uh, on that bottom six uh, NHL projection and kind of working on those skills specifically. Yeah, uh, to to entrench himself as an NHLer, whereas Joshua was getting big offensive minutes now and is kind of Laval's top offensive player at the moment, <laughs> yep. and uh, he is. I mean, by doing so, in my eyes, working on a top six NHL projection, because that's the style of hockey that he's playing right now. He's playing that skillful, creative brand that mm-hmm. is less so about bringing energy to the game, but and more so about putting the puck in the net, which yeah. is really exciting to see because the Habs have a ton of prospects that can fill in a bottom six and will do so very effectively with time. But the they top six guy. projections are... Uh, are rare to come by which is true in every nhl prospect pool but probably particularly so in montreal but uh yeah it's been it's been a very very strong start for joshua Hua. but uh yeah i'm very excited to see how the season continues because yeah this current streak is unbelievable as it is uh but yeah we'll, we'll see how it goes but there are other ahl players too who've been uh scoring exactly and are also very young and very talented and very exciting players so Absolutely. hey ones here yeah i mean we can start with logan stankoven who's a personal favorite of mine and a player i've always always believed in and he's up to seven points in four games with the texas stars in the ahl working really well off the puck uh doing all the small things he does so well the intensity the effort level the ability to play through physical pressure the ability to put put the puck in the net quite simply um but on top of that there are a couple other prospects including a personal favorite of yours um in brad lambert who's doing really well six points in four games um he's been playing fairly well for the manitoba moose um and overall you're looking at a player who has continued to showcase his ability to translate his skill level to the next level every step he's taken so i've been really impressed uh but yuri kulik is the real standout for me um out of the rochester americans uh and uh, the buffalo saber system we're talking about a player who in his draft year not a lot of people knew very very well um but immediately after his draft year he could right away tell this was a player who absolutely deserved to go higher than he did and he's been really impressive with rochester even though he's only got only quote unquote got six points in four games he's been playing like an nhler everything he does is so translatable his decision making is so solid and he's got the skill to back it up as well his coming out party was at uh the world juniors with czechia he was the one player on their team that you could trust to do everything and it's just been up since there. He's been really, really impressive. And I think it's just a matter of time before he's playing regular NHL minutes, um, perhaps even in a top six role with Buffalo, which is saying something. Um, and I just want to give a quick uh, a quick mention to uh, Jeremy Poirier, who a lot, not a lot of people believed in. And I'm still on the fence about because his defensive game is a major issue. 
Um, but Jeremy Poirier is such a gifted offensive defenseman that I think it's just a matter of time before he f- he carves out and forces a role into the NHL. He's got seven points in four games, a goal and six assists. And yeah, I mean, he's a player that even I didn't believe in in the shaft because I had, a, had some major concerns. But who's a player you're most excited about in this group that I've just mentioned here? I'd probably have to go with Brad Lambert, which I don't yeah. think surprises you very much. Not um, at all. Brad Lambert's a player that I was very bullish on in his draft year, perhaps a bit too bullish on. I had him ranked third overall, which was yeah. a, a bit of a stretch. Looking back, mm-hmm. uh, I'd, I'd, I'd probably downgrade that uh, with, with hindsight. But uh, he'd still be easily inside my top 10, and I would have still sprinted to the board to draft him at 26th overall if, I, if I'd been the Habs. And uh, he's continuing to kind of just... Uh, show steady progression. Last season, I thought it was a good call to send him back to the WHL to kind of allow him to play his skill-based game and uh, be that dynamic talent that he really is uh, yeah. with the freedom to do so while readjusting to the North American ice surface. Uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, moving on from that to the AHL and putting up three three goals and six points in four games. Uh, and I don't believe he played much much with the manitoba last year so nope. uh it's 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 nice to see that, that that he's not only playing in the ahl now but producing and considering that there what like there might be what a handful of ahl regulars that are uh u20 players right now mm-hmm. uh and we, we've covered a couple of them uh, so far in this episode but uh, i mean lambert and kulik are definitely two that stand out here and uh yeah i think brad lambert still projects as a really skilled nhl player uh, likely in a top six, and uh, he never should have fallen to 30th overall in his draft year. And uh, I'm happy to see him having some success here. Fully agreed. Uh, but that wraps us up for our first segment about our AHL rookies here tearing it up. Uh, and I'll move on to uh, a discussion about the KHL's Torpedo Nizhinovgorod, who are playing a lot of young players in the lineup, and it's actually working very well for them. Uh, we'll talk about that right after these messages here at Locked On NHL Prospects. If you like to buy tickets last minute for your games and don't know where to get them, Game Time is exactly the place for you. Um, Game Time has an app and a website uh, that works really well and helps you get tickets at the last minute. I often have a very volatile um, schedule, so often, you know, within a couple minutes' time, I've got the the afternoon off and I've got really nothing to do. And I'm looking to, to get uh, a look in on a game uh, in in Montreal. Let's say it's the Canadians or um, even the Laval Rocket. Um, and anything from, um, you know, sports, music, comedy, theater events, anything you're looking for in terms of events that require seats, Game Time has you covered. Um, they've got a bunch of interesting options, including um, the, you can see the view from exactly where you're buying your ticket. They also have something called zone deals where, where you pick the section and Game Time picks the seats for an average of about 18% savings on those seats. They're obsessed with finding ways to help you save money on tickets um they have deals on tickets right up to the start of the event and even sometimes an hour after it starts you can still get those tickets so they're really the best place to find last minute deals and with the game time guarantee you'll always get the best price if you find tickets in the same section and row for less than what you see on game time game time will credit you 110 percent of the difference so take the guesswork out of buying tickets with game time you can download the game time app create an account and use a code locked on nhl for 20 dollars off your first purchase in terms apply again create an account and redeem the code locked on nhl for 20 dollars off your first purchase download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed 
Connor Bedard scores a hat trick, your team wins the Stanley Cup, and you win a hundred times your money. These are all possible situations this season if you play daily fantasy hockey with the Sleeper app. With studs such as the aforementioned Connor Bedard and fellow NHL rookies uh, Leo Carlson and Adam Fantilli entering the league, the NHL is more exciting than ever before. And you can get in on the action by joining uh, the Sleeper app for daily fantasy hockey. Simply uh, track stats like goals, assists, save, plus, minus, and more, and you have a chance at a hundred times payout from Sleeper. Use promo code LOCKEDOUTNHL and you'll get up to a hundred dollar match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. That's LOCKEDOUTNHL. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. All right, so moving on to our second segment, we'll be talking about Torpedo Nizhny Novgorod, a program in the KHL that is switching things up by using a bunch of young players in their roster, and it's working extremely well for them. Uh, they're coached by Igor Larionov, uh, who has been revolutionizing a bit the way that um, that the KHL approaches young players. It's very, very rare that first we'll see this many prospects and young players on a KHL roster. But also just the fact that they've been using them regularly and not just shoving them in as 13th forwards to see them kind of watch the game from the bench. It's very special. Uh, we'll start things off with some of the NHL uh, drafted uh, prospects that are in the system. So first and foremost, we have Nikolai Kovalenko, um, who is a 24-year-old um, drafted player who was drafted in 2018. I believe, um, who belongs to the uh, Colorado Avalanche. He's up to 13 points in 11 games in the KHL. Um, the, Carlo the Colorado Avalanche is just unfair with their ability to pick up uh, prospects wherever they can get them. And Kovalenko is no exception. Um, it's very rare that we'll see a, a player who's above a point per game in the KHL before the 25th birthday not end up in an NHL roster. So I think it's just a matter of time before we see Kovalenko playing full-time minutes in the NHL. It's going to be very interesting. Another player that's a bit in the same boat is Vladislav Firstov, who was drafted by the um, the Minnesota Wild. Um, those are two players who are a bit older, but their rights still belong to NHL teams. But the one that really impresses me is the fact that the top um, scoring defenseman on this team is a fourth, fifth rounder from uh, the Montreal Canadiens from this past draft in Bogdan Kanyushkov. Um, you've yeah. watched a bit more of Kanyushkov than I have, but I have seen him passing, and I've been really impressed with the offensive game um, and his ability to to track uh, players on the uh, on defensive transitions. Uh, but talk me through a bit more what you like from him and what kind of the details are in this game that make you kind of, you know, feel a bit of promise regarding this prospect here. Yeah, I mean, he's been their number one defenseman this entire season. And yep. for a, what, is he 21 yet? Uh, he's either 20 or 21, just barely got drafted in the mid-rounds of the NHL draft. Uh, yep. Though there was actually quite a lot of hype around him at the draft itself. I know, I know multiple teams were really interested in picking him up and mm -hmm. were pretty annoyed when the Habs uh, butted in front of them uh, in line to get him in the fourth round. And uh, so I, I was actually quite intrigued by him after the Habs drafted him because I heard so much chatter about him in Nashville. And it did not disappoint. I, I think that uh, Kanyushkov is a really, really intelligent player. Uh, he's always composed in possession. He plays the simple passes. He plays with pace. He makes quick decisions. Uh, and he's overall just quite decisive with the puck, which is what you need in order to play big KHL minutes. And he is able to to play a really composed brand of hockey at a fairly young age, which is very impressive. 
Uh, that said, I don't think that he's an offensive dynamo. Like his 11 points in 21 games, I think, are pretty indicative of his offensive involvement with the team. Despite being a number one defenseman and getting quite a few power play minutes to, uh, like, with, with that lineup, uh, he's less of a creator than he is a facilitator. So yeah. uh, Kanyushkov is a strong passer, but he's not going to go end to end and uh, create something out of thin air. Uh, but he's very steady. And as you said, he matches footwork well in transition. He defends the rush well. He's good at angling his body in order to push players into the boards and onto the periphery. Uh, he is a decent enough skater. I wouldn't say it's a super high-end asset, but definitely not a detractor either at this point. And as a whole, is a very, very interesting player. And uh, he's he's going to be in the KHL for another three seasons, this year included. Uh, and that'll give him a ton of time to kind of just marinate and develop. And I think that the Habs have a definite chance at an NHL player here with time. So uh, as far as a fourth round pick goes, this is a pretty good value uh, just a couple months after the draft to be able to say that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, on top of that, we've got two draft eligibles that are playing pretty well with them so far. Yeah. We'll start off with the uh, the obvious one, which is Anton Salayev, the towering six foot seven defenseman who skates better than he should at that at that size. Um, it's been very much uh, a chaotic sample of viewings for, so far with Salayev. There are games oh, yeah. where he looks like a top five pick. There are other games where he looks like an outsider for the first round, but. Regardless, I think the the constant with Salayev is just how how able he is at closing gaps wherever they are. He can catch up with players who are six, seven strides ahead of him going on the breakaway. He can get back on time and get a stick on the puck. Um, with one push, he's able to cover maybe 10, 15 feet of ice easily. Um, there's a lot to love about Salayev. Um, he started the season off really hot with a point per game in the KHL through six, seven games. Uh, yeah. But since then, he's cooled off massively, and he's up. He's he's now at eight points in twenty-one games, which I think is more yeah. indicative of the type of player that we can we can expect from Salive. But regardless, it's not the offensive game that really impresses me with Salive. It's really the defensive abilities, and it's not like he's relying on his physicality. He's not defaulting to hitting players no. through the wall. I mean, he he's really good at angling players out of position. He's really good at closing gaps, like I said, and especially a stick positioning is really good. But Talk me through a bit of his offensive game because you saw some progress there, right? There were a couple of clips that showed a bit of promise on that side. For sure. I think with Salaya, the key to his game is movement, and that's true yeah. defensively as it is offensively. Uh, he covers so much ice, and the key to his offensive game is to use that strength and to leverage it to create advantages in the offensive zone. And he's starting to learn how to do that against KHL competition. I'm seeing him activate off puck uh and going into space that his wingers open up for him, uh, kind of taking like cycles around the offensive zone, switching positions with his wingers and being a lot more active. Whereas it, during his point streak, when uh, it looked like, oh, this might be a, a massive offensive defenseman, but in, in terms of the statistics, uh, yeah. he was really, really quite static offensively. He stayed at the blue line. Uh, and, and now with, having like a multi, like 20 games of KHL experience under his belt, he's become a lot more comfortable activating offensively. And I think that's a big piece in making him more uh, impactful in the offensive zone. This isn't a player who's going to wow you with creativity or with high-end dynamism or skill, 
but he is a decent enough puck handler. He's six foot seven. He's a very strong puck protector when he wants to be, and he's able to make his presence known around the slot. I'd, I'd love to see him uh, kind of cycle around the offensive zone more frequently because, he, again, he has that puck protection ability to uh, push off any defenders and, and kind of like stiff arm them while he's going around the net. Or I'd like to see him kind of making his way into the slot more often, whether he's just passing through in those routes or whether he kind of plants himself down as a net front, net front presence. I think he could be very effective in that. He has good hand-eye coordination. He could be a tipping threat. And just, I think, overall, uh, being a bit more active in that fluid system that Torpedo have building. And yeah. uh, one of the reasons that's such an exciting young team is that the coaching allows the young players to play to their strengths, which often is their creativity. And Salaya uh, is becoming more comfortable on that front. Uh, but I still, I do, I do agree with you. I think that his defensive game it really is the crux of what, what makes him valuable. I don't think that the production at the KHL level is going to indicate that he's going to be a 40, 50, 60 point defenseman at the NHL level. But I do think that there's some two-way upside here uh, mm -hmm. to a player that already has a very, very strong defensive foundation. And uh, yeah, he's looking good in the KHL. Definitely a lot better than he did at the beginning of the season. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll close things off very quickly with a player that I don't think either one of us has watched enough to be able to give a full statement on, but Nikita yeah. Artamanov has been really good as well, and he's another draft eligible. He's still 17, um, turns mm -hmm. 18 uh, next month, and has been looking really good with uh, nine points in 20 games in the KHL. I mean, nothing to necessarily, uh, you know, nothing that necessarily jumps massively off the page, but in terms of his NHL equivalency, um, very few players to this age managed to even play regular minutes in the KHL, let yeah. alone put up almost half a point a game. So we'll keep a close look on him uh, as the season goes on and kind of uh, get more comfortable talking about him later on. But that wraps things up for our second segment about Torpedo Nizhny uh, Novgorod. And we'll move on to an update on Cole Hudson out of the NTDP right after these messages here at Locked On NHL Prospects. Snap into action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets, guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose, that you can spend on anything, ranging from spreads to player props to over and unders and far more. If you've been thinking of joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action than right now. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Alrighty, so to end things off, we'll be talking about Cole Hudson, Lane Hudson's brother, um, a player who... You know, they share some similarities, uh, but we'll talk about the differences in just a second. I just want to give you a bit of an update on how Cole Hudson's doing so far in the NTDP. Um, he's played five games uh, against USHL competition. He has three assists in that span. Uh, he's plus three as well with four penalty minutes. Um, overall, with the NTDP against all levels of competition, he's got eight points in 12 games. That includes some games against um, U U.S. high school competition, but also some games against NCAA competition. Uh, so a bit of a mixed bag in terms of um, in, in terms of uh, level of competition. That's why I, I often look a bit more at the USHL competition level because that's a bit more uniform. It's a bit more stable. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're talking about a player who, you know, I, I watched him once in April. Well, I watched him 
a decent amount of times in April through the um, through the Helinka Gretzky Cup and uh, and uh, the U18 Worlds and all that stuff throughout the summer. Um, and having watched one game so far from him against the USHL competition this year, what concerns me is I don't see much of a difference between his view, my viewings in April and my viewings in October. And that's six months of development, six months of physical development, six months of technical development. Usually you see a bit more of a progression there. Um, but to kind of round out what kind of profile you would get in a player like this, he's a left-handed defenseman, 5'10", 160, um, plays a lot like Lane Hudson in terms of just the overall dynamism of everything he does, being super creative, super inventive, super out of the box. Um, he's definitely a better skater overall than Lane Hudson in terms of lateral mobility, in terms of backwards mobility and straight line speed. Um, but he's, he's less impactful defensively. He's a lot more risky of a player. Um, do you agree with that assessment or do you see kind of also, do you see any other differences in those two players' games that kind of stand out to you? Yeah, uh, I, I would agree. I think that the, the differences between the two brothers may may be like the most established things in Cole Huston's Skag report so far. Yeah, uh, because it's it, it's the easiest parallel to kind of draw because stylistically they are quite similar offensively. They have a lot of the same strengths, and uh, but they are fundamentally a bit different in terms of their play styles, especially defensively. In my eyes, yeah. Um, in the defensive zone, uh, Cole Hudson struggles a lot. Uh, he is this highly intelligent offensive manipulator, but in the defensive zone, he gets caught by some really simple plays and gets dragged out of position. So uh, he he regularly gets get, gets kind of drawn in like, towards the boards, and then a quick pass is made to the middle lane, and he's nowhere to be found. And uh, he's a very strong skater, but he gets caught flat-footed so regularly. Yeah. Uh, he, he is often quite upright in his stance at the offensive blue line, which means that when you have a player who puts the puck off the boards and behind Cole Hudson, mo- kind of moving his his body weight and shifting that really quickly to try to backpedal doesn't work very well. It means he gets burned consistently. So his offensive game, I think, could get patched and 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 see a decent amount of improvement with a couple simple fixes. But those are, those are the simple fixes to bring him from like a, a third percentile defensive player to like a 30th percentile defensive player. I don't think we're ever going to see Cole Hudson be a, a, a even like 60th percentile <laughs> defensive yeah. player. Uh, There's th- no th- net th- positive th- defensive player there for sure. I, I exactly I, like he's always going to to, to add value w- through his offensive game primarily. Uh, that said, he does showcase so much awareness, intelligence, planning, uh, composure uh, offensively that I have to believe that the defensive game uh, can grow by integrating those elements with time because they're they're there. They just have to be applied in a different area of the game. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you add in the elite puck skills, the elite level playmaking, the elite level dynamism, uh, the high end ability as an offensive quarterback, whether it's be at, be at five on five or on the power play, you have this fascinating player. He, he has great shooting habits. He has a very good shot already. He's a way more mobile player offensively, especially than Lane Hudson was at the same age. There's so many tools here with Hudson that 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 could. Uh, with time develop him into an elite offensive player at the NHL level. We're talking about a player that could be a 60 point defenseman in the NHL or more. Uh, there is this, the, the, the toolkit to su- support that style eventually in the offensive zone. Uh, in my, my viewings of him as a D minus one 
consistently he stood out alongside the likes of Will Smith and James Higgins as the most dynamic players on the NTDP roster. Yeah. Uh, and that's ahead of guys like Cole Eiserman and, and Ryan Leonard and Oliver Moore. Uh, there's so much to like with this game, but the defensive game is so concerning. There's so many issues with it. Uh, I'm I'm a massive fan of undersized offensive defensemen, and and even I am like a bit hesitant with Hudson uh, in terms of managing my own expectations because yeah, in the offensive zone, it's almost no notes. Uh, he is lights out. He's ex- he's excellent, but <laughs> in order to be an impactful NHL defenseman, you can't just have that offensive game. You have to also bring the defensive aspects, yeah. and uh, those uh, calling those works in progress would be an understatement understatement, absolutely uh i definitely think he needs at least two seasons to in the ncaa uh after his draft year and that's a pretty pretty conservative estimate too yeah uh might be three or four but uh that's enough of me rambling here how do (laughs) what's your take on cole hudson because he's a very complex player and i think the entire debate around him is going to be around weighing the pros and cons rather than debating what his strengths and weaknesses actually are because it's pretty yeah exactly the thing is for me i'd be a lot less concerned if i saw any difference at all between cole hudson in april and cole hudson in october because like i said again it's six months of development even though half of that is the summer you're still developing in the summer you're maturing physically you're working in the the gym hopefully um you know it's I'd be a lot less concerned if I saw any difference at all. I mean, he's the exact same offensive player that he was in April, and he's also the exact same defensive player that he was in April. One in one in one area that's really good, and the other that's really bad. And unless there are some drastic differences um, in his ability to not only defend the rush but also identify threats early, get ahead of plays, and use a skating positively, um, and 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 weigh the risk uh, reward ratio a bit better. He's going to continue to be in kind of my my late teens to early 20s. He's kind of probably going to oscillate in that range if he stays the same player all year. I don't expect him to. And even then, like we saw with Lane Hudson, this family seems to be a family of late bloomers. Uh, after the draft, um, Lane Hudson added t- uh, two inches of height, a good 20 pounds of weight. So it's been, yeah. you know, a lot of his physical progression happened after the draft. So that's also something to take into account. Um, but even with that, I don't think that Lane Hudson will ever be a uh, Cole Hudson will ever be a net positive defensive player or physical player. It's just about how he balances his strengths with a, at least a tiny marginal bit of improvement in his defensive game. Um, but as the year develops, you know, maybe he shows some signs of something better. Uh, but for the moment, I'm, I see him as kind of a 15 to 22 range player. Um, yeah. And as we build our rankings at the end of the month with Dauber Prospects, I'll will be a bit more concrete regarding where players end yeah. up. But uh, yeah, that wraps things up. I, I, think, I think I might bump up a little bit further from you. We'll, we'll see how that, that, how that debate goes later this month. But I, I, sure. I, I, still, I still have them inside my top 15 because the offensive skill is overwhelming. Absolutely. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. For- for sure. But that wraps things up for today's episode. Thank you very much for tuning in. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to like and subscribe. Leave us a comment letting us know what you want us to talk about next and leave us some questions in the sections uh, below. We always read our questions, leave them for our mailbag questions. So make sure to leave that in. And if you're listening on your favorite podcasting platform, make sure to make us your first listen of the day. For your second listen of the day, make sure to check out Locked On Sports today. They've got all your uh, news and updates about what's going on in sports. And make sure to tune in for our next episodes as we continue our prospects content throughout the, week, the month of October. This is and howdy, Kalakash with Sebastian High, and we hope you tune in next.